and welcome to Fresh Press for July 14th, 2020. My name is Gabe. And my name is Andrew. This is a show about music where we talk about new tunes and Old West grooves. Oh, very nice, Andrew. Way to finagle that one in there. So as many of you are aware, this past week, the great Italian film composer Ennio Morricone um, passed away at the age of 91. So we thought our theme would be a bit of a tribute to the work of Morricone through um, some more modern or recent works. And maybe we can talk a little bit about how brilliant of a film composer Morricone was and how influential he was, not only to scores of other film composers and the entire genre of like the spaghetti Western, but also to like popular music. If you want to call it that, in indie rock. So, Andrew, have you seen uh, many films with Morricone scores? I really haven't. I like. I appreciate the tropes of the genre of those films, but I really don't have much experience actually watching the films. Do you? No, actually, I've probably listened Great. to <laughs> music outside of the context of films, like just as standalone records, more than I've seen or listen to his music inside that context. So maybe that's a shame. But, um, you know, like Sergio Leone, who uh, Morricone worked with extensively and kind of made his name with, it's not like the kind of film that I love, like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, right? Very, very famous. But he did, I didn't realize, but he did the score to The Hateful Eight, which is one of yeah. the recent Tarantino films. And I have seen that film. So I guess we can start there. Yeah, I mean, I've seen that. I wasn't gonna, when you asked that question... I was going to be like, yeah, I saw his most famous movie, The Hateful Eight. Well, that's a kind of a, an example of how I think Morricone's music as a composer influenced like contemporary filmmakers. Yeah. Um, like Tarantino feels like it was more, inf- like, yes, there's an incredible background genre of Western uh, film, but like it almost feels like Tarantino wanted to make this Western so that he could use... Morricone's like talent and like avail himself of that could be true if you haven't watched a number of films with Morricone scores I am positive that you are familiar with his music even if you're not super familiar with the name a lot of those like classic western you know songs uh like themes are Morricone and a lot of like the instrumentation we associate with the genre of westerns is due to him with that said, Andrew, you have a song that is pretty explicitly in tribute to Morricone from uh, a dozen years ago. Yes, it is very explicitly in that his name is in the title of the song. Funny how that works. <laughs> uh, this is a song by the band Murder by Death, and uh, it is entitled Theme for Ennio Morricone. So before we talk about anything relevant, like the song or how it's related to Morricone, um, mm-hmm. you want to talk about this band name? Great fucking band name, right? Great band name, especially because it's so, uh, it catches you off guard. Like you see the word murder 
as the first word, and you're like, this is probably like a metal band or a hardcore band. Probably not gonna like their music. And then Murder by Death, then you know they're indie rock. <laughs> well, also if you are aware of the uh, film Murder by Death from from which the band gets their name, which is a a, a Neil Simon movie that's like a mystery comedy whodunit kind of thing. The title, like that title, is intentionally like a a spoof on you know dial m for murder kind of shit i see i didn't know that it was taken from a film Uh, it's not a film i'm familiar with so a lot of their titling is referential like the album that this song comes from is called red of tooth and claw which is a line from uh, a tennyson poem in memoriam which gabe you uh philistine i'm sure you're not uh, familiar with, but you may be familiar wow, with. Wow, I can't believe I was just called a Philistine on my own music podcast. <laughs> uh, but you may be uh, familiar with one line from, from this poem. Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Wow, definitely familiar with that line. I think, I think everybody is familiar with that line, so the insults keep piling up. We are early into this podcast. Yeah. Very cool. Are, so are you widely familiar with their their music? Uh, I'm really not. I, I, I haven't heard of them, but uh, I've been listening to a little bit of their stuff this morning, and I'm into it. There's two uh, founding members, Adam Turla and Sarah Balliot, um, who are also a married couple, so that's nice. So nice. Adam Turla is the vocalist, and I think he also plays guitar. And Sarah Balliot plays cello. So you can hear cello prominently in this song and in a lot of the songs because one of the two founding members plays the cello. Yeah, I was going to comment on the cello in this song particularly, which is just so rich and like full of like this deep soulful energy, which fits well with, you know, the Morricone influence. Yeah, I think that's uh, part of what drew me to this uh, in looking for... Uh, Morricone tributes for this theme is that there's a lot of tribute type music or music clearly influenced by him that's exactly the same genre that is also sort of uh, that is also just chamber music Um, and then there's stuff that's more modern I would say and this I think really nicely uh, bridges that gap in that it's definitely guitar driven but it is also cello driven and overall it is uh spaghetti western driven yeah although i think spaghetti west maybe this is the point you're making but spaghetti western music typically is very guitar driven yes absolutely but that's what that's what i mean where this feels to me like a real genuine modernization honestly both of our choices feel like a modern version of like those underpinnings of that spaghetti of the spaghetti western soundtrack genre um i just liked how prominent the cello was because it links it back to the to the soundtracking that like chamber music orchestral background yeah that makes sense Yeah, I like the modernization of the music, like you pointed out, especially because the Western as a genre has 
fallen out of favor yeah. <laughs> significantly. And not for bad reasons. Like, you know, there are some very problematic things with Westerns as a genre and, you know, stereotyping and racism inherent there therein. Um, but yeah. I think the music is great um, on the whole and has historically been my favorite part of Westerns. And so it's cool to hear, like, a take with, like, updated sensibilities and recording uh, techniques. Um, I want to just add one more note about the band Murder by Death, and that is that Sarah Balliot, who's the cellist, uh, has a brother named Max. And together, she and her husband own a restaurant in Louisville with uh, her brother as the executive chef called Pizza Lupo. So they make pizza in Kentucky, which feels also like fully committed to the idea of the spaghetti western (laughs) yeah it's amazing So, Gabe, you also have a sort of modern take on the spaghetti western music genre. And this is also a concept album, although in a slightly different way. Yeah, this is um, a song called Season's Trees off of uh, a 2011 record titled Rome, which is by Daniele Lupi and Danger Mouse. As you alluded to, Andrew, Rome, the album, is a concept album less in the telling a story sense, although there are sort of elements of that, and more in let's take this one specific idea and this really one-time collaboration and create like a single record that's just very focused on this, uh, on this particular idea, which is of the spaghetti western and kind of reinventing that style with more popular and uh, rock sensibilities alongside it. Um, so first, the cast of characters. So the, the title artists for the record are Daniele Lupi, who um, is an Italian composer and recording artist, um, and Danger Mouse, who our listeners may be more familiar with for being a producer on a million different records. He put out famously in 2004 a record called The Grey Album, which was a mashup of Jay-Z's The Black Album with The Beatles' The White Album. Um, Right, so black and white, Andrew makes gray. Yeah, no, I got that one. Thank you, Gabe. Um, Which you couldn't find legally for like a long period of time. Like the only way to get it was uh, downloading it off some like media torrent website um, when that was like a thing in the mid 2000s. If I remember correctly, Jay Z was like, "This is super cool," and I feel like Paul McCartney was like, "This is super cool," and then EMI, the assholes that they are, are like, "No, fuck you! You can't make any money off the Beatles. Only we can make money off the Beatles." 
Yeah, it was like classic music industry heavy handedness. Um, although the record is wildly cool. So I gathered Loopy heard the record and was like, oh, I should collaborate with this guy. He had also just put out um, one of his first albums and they ended up linking up and working together for like five years to make Rome. Um, the album also features Nora Jones and Jack White um, as vocalists on six of the songs, including on this song, Seasons Trees, Nora Jones. And the recording process for this album was really cool. Um, they went to a studio in Rome and they like got a bunch of vintage instruments. And the story goes is like you can't they there's nobody like in Rome that's like lending out these vintage instruments from like the 70s. So they just like made house calls to like important musicians who lived in Rome and brought bottles of wine and were like, hey, do you want to play on a record? <laughs> With your sweet bass. Uh, And apparently they got a bunch of like these old Italian musicians who actually recorded with Morricone um, these soundtracks and got them together in this studio. And I was reading an interview about it and like some of these guys who are like much older now were like, oh, I haven't seen you in forever. It was like a big get together party to make this record, um, which has such a like genuine undertone of Morricone's style and the spaghetti western music in general. There's just so many things I love about this particular song. First of all, I think Nora Jones as the selection for the vocalist is inspired. It's so good. She's obviously very well known and very successful and very talented, but her like kind of like the low alto and she's so smooth and has like the jazz vocalist background, I think is ideal for this setting. And it provides a really strong contrast to the songs that Jack White sings on, which Jack White is a little more angsty. I don't know. A little less <laughs> polished vocally. It really is. You're right uh, that it, it's such a great choice of person to sing. And that, I think, speaks to Danger Mouse's ear, thinking about this kind of thing and be like, you know who would really shine, but is maybe not your first go-to, would be Nora Jones. She would just completely kick ass and work so well with this. And in a different way, Jack White does it as well. Yeah, I agree. I love the bass, which is obviously so prominent, um, but also there's like an acoustic guitar that's going for large portions of the song, which you can miss if you're not listening carefully, but I think it actually provides a really vital kind of background uh, instrumentation that harkens back to kind of the rhythms and styling of the Spaghetti Western. Um, One last thing about Rome that I love is that it opens like uh, any film soundtrack with a theme. And, you know, it's specifically like this is the theme from Rome as as if this album were actually 
soundtrack accompaniment to a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, they really play into that. Uh, and maybe that's more of the concept behind the concept album. Like, we're going to make a film score for, for Spaghetti Western in 2011, but we're just not going to film the actual movie. We're just going to kind of imply that it exists. Yeah, and I think there's they do a cool thing with the titles of all of the interludes and the instrumental tracks, which I personally love. Like, there's one that's like, The Matador Has Fallen. Yeah. Which is an instrumental track, but because of, like, it's, it's like, late in the album, it's like, this is like, okay, I can imagine, like, maybe what the arc of this has been and like, oh, this is the part where, where he falls and it looks like he's going to die. But then this thing, ha- you know. Yeah, it, there are several of those, right? Like the second song is called The Rose with the Broken Neck, which you can certainly imagine as being like the like opening scene. Moving along now to some new songs from the past week. Andrew, I don't even know how you found this song. I found it through NPR. It's how I find everything, honestly. But uh, the song that I have brought is entitled Kamardawa, and it's by Sharhabil Ahmed. So, technically, this isn't a new tune. Yeah, when was this actually recorded? Unclear to me. I'm sure somebody knows, but I don't, and they didn't make that clear at any point here. I don't know when it was recorded, but this is like the first time that this is in wide release, this particular recording, and it's been remastered and everything. So I feel like it counts. And also, it was just too good for me not to pick it it's delightful the opening guitar it sounds so like very 50s yeah like i could listen to this and then listen to elvis (laughs) i don't know if that makes sense yeah so so the title of the record is the king of sudanese jazz which is a title that sharabil ahmed has uh held for many many years uh he's still alive he's uh born in 1935 but this is an older recording that was uh, remastered and put together on this album, sort of showcasing his body of work to the wider world by the record label known as Habibi Funk. It's not jazz, really, in the way that we understand jazz to be, but it's Sudanese jazz. Yeah, I don't know what Sudanese jazz is as a genre. It's this. But this is has nothing to do with American jazz. Right, yeah. So uh, this is from the uh, from directly from Habibi Funk Records. You say, uh, referring to its sonic appearance, Sudanese jazz hasn't too much in common with the Western idea of jazz. Sharabil's sound feels more like a unique combination of surf, rock and roll, funk, Congolese music, and East African harmonies. So I think, especially in this song, the like surf rock vibe is is what you're latching onto, like that that old like. I mean, even like early Beach Boys, pre-Beach Boys, surf kind of sound. Yeah, actually in my notes, that's what I have written down. So very surf rock. 
Yeah. Uh, not just this song. I listened to another song off, the, off this record, too, and also very much in that style. So I, I suppose that's kind of the whole Sudanese jazz approach is based maybe more around, yeah, that that genre rather than like Miles Davis, which feels like the contemporary to this in terms of actual time when it was recorded. Um, I also have a quote from Ahmed himself. And he says, I started out by learning to play the oud and traditional Sudanese music and got a diploma from the Music Institute of Khartoum University, but my ambition was to develop something new. And for this, the guitar seemed like the best instrument. Western instruments can approximate the scales of Sudanese music very well. After all, a lot of Western music is originally from Africa. I have absorbed different influences from traditional Sudanese rhythms to calypso and jazz, and I hold them together in my music with no difficulty. Yeah, I mean, it comes off a little uh, braggadocious, but I think correct. Yeah, I, ag- I agree that it comes off braggadocious, uh, and I think he's right. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, well, you can indeed do those things. So perhaps yeah, that is fair. He fully does. <laughs> Yeah, so I just found this this whole album so much fun. And I was particularly drawn to this track because of the the like chorus structure with all the little like stops in it. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Which is a very like surf rock kind of thing or like early rock and roll kind of thing. Right. Where everything just cuts. It has twist and shout energy, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> It's like it's a piece of music, right? But it's also like a fun experience to be listening to it for the people, for the audience to like be like dancing and moving with it. Like that stop gives you a time to do like a cool pose. And like, it's just like, I can't, I can't not listen to it and like, like bounce a little bit when, when those stops come in and like freeze, you know, and it's just like the way that it's structured. And I, I think it's amazing. Yeah. You know, I can really picture myself doing the twist to this music. So that's fair. I just love how joyful this song is. Right, yeah. Like like you said, it's meant to be to be energizing and inviting. You know, it's the kind of song that, well, maybe not anymore, but at one point in time would certainly, you know, pull everybody onto the dance floor. Right. <laughs> Um, so I just want to talk about the creation of this album real quick. So the, the, um, the people who run Habibi Funk had heard some of Sharabil Ahmed's music and were like, oh, we really want to find a way to like we want to see if we can get in touch with this guy, maybe like put out uh, a compilation of his stuff for wider release so that more people can hear it. They had just released a, a, a hip hop project from, from a Sudanese MC. They like, they were just like, Hey, you're also a Sudanese musician. Do you know anything about this guy? And he's like, Oh yeah, I live next door to his son and we like make music together. <laughs> 
Sudan. The Sudan is not a small country. No, it's very large. But yeah, so he just like connected him with his son, and his son connected him with with his father. Uh, and his dad was like, "Yeah, that sounds great. Like, let's do it." And so they found they like hunted through a lot of uh, old recordings, tape recordings, digital recordings, all sorts of stuff, um, and found some stuff that was usable quality. Found some like master tapes and stuff, and remastered all of it, uh, engineered it so that it was worthy of a full release, and put together these seven tracks, all of which are just awesome. That's a really cool story. They say about this album, which is really the only way for the the wider public to hear his music. They say, why is this release only coming out now? I really can't tell you, but at least finally here it is. The King of Jazz is holding court. Gabe, what do you have that's brand new this week? This is a song of a record that I just cannot stop listening to. Um, this song is Just Shy of Sure from The Beths and their second record titled Jump Rope Gazers. <laughs> The Beths are a quartet out of Auckland, New Zealand, um, and they actually strongly remind me in like musical style of another New Zealand band that has been on this podcast, which is Yumi Zuma from mm-hmm. a couple months ago. Um, they consist of Jonathan Pierce, Benjamin Sinclair, Tristan Deck, and um, Elizabeth Stokes as the vocalist. Who I assume oh, is uh, the, the titular Beth. Yes. Yeah. But I guess they're all Beths now. Um, they made a pretty big splash with, with their first record, which has uh, the wonderful title of Future Me Hates Me. And I think with a band like this, second records can always be a little bit tricky, um, trying to record while you're touring. But I think this album nails it. Uh, the album has a, like a wide stylistic purview um it's like much more rip roaring at the beginning and becomes much more introspective as the album continues and this as the closer fits into that more low-key tone to close the album i think one of the overarching characteristics though among all of their songs is how earnest they are like it feels like like these expressions of feelings um, in fairly plain ways, um, but that resonate through that plainness. If that makes sense, it does. I'm like I love the words from the from the chorus. My head is aching, but if I keep very still, I might be able to make this work until the end of the weekend. Baby, I, well, my head is aching, 
on this song, I really love their use of uh, like guitar effects, um, particularly in the um, instrumental section. Uh, the, there are two guitarists. Um, I think both Pierce and Elizabeth Stokes play guitar, um, and they kind of play off of each other, and there's like kind of interesting distortions going on, like very effective use of like guitar pedals, which if you're not familiar with what that is, uh, you know, you can plug your guitar instead of like directly into an amp, you can run it through what are literally things you step on on the ground to turn certain effects on or off, like live. Uh, and you'll get these big pedal boards and you can do some really cool, interesting things in conjunction with them. I don't know, I grew up listening and loving U2 um, and The Edge, who's the guitarist for U2, is famous for like meticulously playing with his like pedals and effects on stage. Um, and it sounds like that's something that the guitarists from the Beths also do. Um, and it adds like a level of like, this feels live rather than the effects were overlaid in the studio post-recording. So just so I'm fully understanding, the hypothesis that you're putting forth is that this is the first good album since U2 was a band that people liked. Yeah, I, I mean, wasn't that clear from how I just said all of that? I, it was. I just wanted to make sure that was, in fact, what you were saying. I don't know in that I can agree. In terms of great albums from the last 30 years, I have The Joshua Tree. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was like 33 years ago. Um, that was a long time ago. I have The Joshua Tree, and then I have Jump Rope Gazers from The Beths. What about the one um, that they made everyone have? You know what's funny? I also don't know the name of that album off the top of my head. I've never heard a single note of it, Songs even though it was downloaded to my innocence experience. Those are opposite things, but it could no, be no, they're, either they're, one. Listen, they made two albums. One was called Songs of Innocence. One was called Songs of Experience. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. I haven't. Right, heard they were kind of like a pairing, right? Because they are opposites. No, you really saw right through that. That was good. Yeah, look, I, I still like you too, but nothing from the last two decades. That's nice, Gabe. I like you too. So there was a bunch of other good new music this week, Gabe. What else were you listening to? First, going to shout out Illuminati Hotties, who announced that they're dropping a new record next week, which I will 100% be bringing a song off of. Great. She put out a single called, Will I Get Cancelled? If I write a song called, If You Were a Man, You'd Be So Cancelled, which is biting. Like It's like a minute and 15 seconds, but really cuts to the chase. Um, there was a new album from Casey Hill called is it selfish if we talk about me again just to just to piggyback on another very long title that is a full sentence very interesting pop album a friend of the pod francis and the lights is on there casey hill's a former uh like kanye protege and involved in that sort of circle i don't know if we can call people kanye proteges why because i don't think that's like a positive thing i don't know that it is either she's no longer with the label but that is how she got her start. Fair enough. Is she had like self-released some music. She was working as a, a a backup dancer for Kanye's tour and then 
she like showed him some of his her music and he was like yep you're signed wow um i really enjoyed this delightfully groovy record um titled dinner party from terrace martin robert glasper kamasi washington and ninth wonder so good what an incredible team up anything that has robert glasper and kamasi washington on it i'm sold there was a really nice i guess maybe it was just an ep from a musician named Adeline, who I don't know anything about, but she uh, made a really nice, like, soulful R&B kind of record called Anterim, uh, which I almost brought the last track from, but I didn't want to hear uh, Gabe attempting to speak French, which is the language that that song is in, so I didn't pick it. Oh, was it? Is that the language that the song is off of? I couldn't tell. Uh... Well, the rest of the album isn't in French, but that last song is. I couldn't tell from your exaggerated French accent whenever you have to pronounce anything French. And then I just want to also pinpoint three other singles that I really enjoyed. There's a song called No Room by Nana Adju, who I don't know anything about, again, but is great. A uh, song called Maker by Anjimali who is putting out an album, uh, I think, uh, in later in the fall. Uh, and this song is really good. Uh, it was out of the running for me because he's released it on like in a couple different versions in the past. So I'm looking forward to this album, and I'll probably pick something from it when it comes out. And then one of my favorite musicians, uh, Lomelda, put out a lead single from her upcoming album, and that song is called Wonder. And it's great. It's like two minutes long and it's a fucking jam. And I love it. And there's a great music video of her like wearing fake wings and just like jamming out uh, to the song. It makes me so happy. Delightful. Andrew, we have one other release that we should mention. Um, So editor of this podcast at times and dear friend of ours and occasional guest on the show, Soraya Perry has put out um, a series of demos, I guess is the best way of putting it, in album format called Forgive Me for Writing You So Soon, So Late, So Long, Voice Memos 2016-2019. Another long title. I was I, I was pro a shorter title, but when she pitched me that full title, I was like, okay, that is good. I do like it. I'm into really long album titles, and I'm not into long song titles. <laughs> That's a weird... Uh position to take but okay well so just on that count this album is a success for me (laughs) okay um so soraya has had been talking about this for uh the last uh couple months or so um thinking about how like she has all of these demos and voice memos but she hasn't really done anything with them and she was thinking about you know just thinking about sort of mortality for no particular reason over the last couple months of 2020 and thinking like, you know, like w- what happens to this music if I'm no longer here? Like what remains? And if I have this stuff, why not uh, put it out to the masses? I, I, I want to be clear. I'm claiming absolutely zero credit for any of the musical genius on this album. I'm just saying that like I was lucky enough to get a front seat uh, to the development of this and like uh, an early look at all the tracks on it and some tracks that didn't make it on it. It's a uh, voice memos that she's made, uh, as the title says, from 2016 to 2019, of a whole bunch of songs that she's written, and it's just beautiful. First of all, it sounds great. I don't know how it sounds so good, 
um, for voice memos, I mean, and some of them sound better than others because of background noise or whatever the environment she was recording in was. But it all sounds wonderful. Um, and there's just some really amazing uh, feats of songwriting on here. So I would uh, really recommend you check that out. Um, she has a big, uh, there's a big like dedication page that mentions all sorts of musicians that she uh, sees as influences here. And I just want to mention, I agree, I agree with all of that. And especially with, I get a lot of Joni Mitchell in here. I get a lot of, there's, there's a lot of Jeff Buckley in some of it uh, that comes out in a really nice way. And there's all kinds of stuff. It's, it's really uh, an amazing collection of music. And uh, yeah, I hope you check it out. You can find her under Soraya Perry on Spotify. And um, here's a clip. that's our show for the week um you should go and give us a follow on twitter at fresh pressed pod we also have a spotify playlist with all of our picks from the show in reverse chronological order so you can hear the newest stuff most recently at the top Uh, we'll be back next tuesday july 21st with more tunes and more grooves and more music to keep you occupied and delighted and interested through this year. For now, I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. And you've been listening to Fresh Pressed.